Have you ever been part of a mastermind group? Or are you curious about the power of mastermind groups and how they can supercharge your business? That's exactly what I'm discussing with entrepreneur Chris Ducker in this episode of Architecture Business Club, the weekly podcast for solo and small firm architecture practice owners just like you who want to build a profitable future-proof architecture business that fits around their life. I'm the host, John Clayton. If you want to get notified when I release a new episode and get access to free resources and exclusive offers, then go to mrjohnclayton.co.uk forward slash ABC and sign up to my free weekly email newsletter. Now let's talk all about masterminds. Chris Ducker is a serial entrepreneur and the author of best-selling books, Virtual Freedom and Rise of the Youpreneur. Based in Cambridge, England, Chris owns and operates several businesses, including the VA recruiting hub virtualstafffinder.com and the personal brand enterprise education company youpreneur.com. He's regarded as one of the top experts in the world on subjects of remote team building and scaling expert businesses. Since 2008, Chris has been a trusted international business mentor, keynote speaker and podcaster, and currently spends most of his time working with successful entrepreneurs, as well as investing in and advising startup companies. His work is regularly published on chrisducker.com, and he can be followed on Instagram and LinkedIn. Chris, welcome to Architecture Business Club. It's a pleasure to be here, John. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. It's great to have you here. Chris, I know that when you're not busy working um, in the different businesses that you operate, that you love to sketch in your free time. Mm. And I'd love to know where this interest came from, in particular, if it was anything to do with your father's profession. It was. My dad was an architect, as you were well aware of. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, I, I still have very, very fond memories. He was an old school draftsman, right? We always had at the big drawing table with the you know the weights and the rulers that slid up and down and all that good stuff growing up it was great he never um kind of jumped over to cad he refused to do to to sort of understand the idea that buildings could be designed with uh computers oh we need rulers and pencils and pens sort of, sort of thing you know blueprints you know um and uh i loved that about him and i've still i've got very fond memories as a kid we lived in wimbledon and he worked just outside of Vauxhall. So we used to get the train every Saturday morning. We used to get the train um, up till probably around 14 or so years old. I used to go with him pretty much every single Saturday. And uh, he would work probably through to around middle of the day. But I would go up with him in the morning. We'd hop on the train on the district line, go from Wimbledon to Vauxhall, jump off, walk across the, the bridge and go, to, go into his offices. And there was a couple of things I always remember about his offices. There was, first of all, the moment you walked in, uh, you could smell the coffee. You know, they always had coffee on the brew, always. And that was the first thing that hit you the moment you walked through the door. Um, the second thing was, I always remember his highlighters, his Stabilo highlighters, and the rotoring pens as well. And uh, little pots of ink everywhere and, and you know, pencils and rubbers. And I just loved all that stuff. And so I've always drawn i've always sketched uh, you know as a kid and i went through probably though much of my 30s and 40s i didn't pick up a pen for anything other than you know signing contracts or <laughs> acquisition documents or something and then sort of time goes on and um when the pandemic hit and 
I realized actually what well, this is going to drive me mad, not getting on a plane, not seeing friends from afar and, you know, all the, not being able to travel with my family, you know? So, um, I kind of, uh, just instinctively picked up a sketchbook and some fine liners and, um, one afternoon with my daughter, who's a big art fan as well. She loves arts and crafts. And I just started drawing it. And before I knew it was happening, you know, I was using Google Earth to pick out, you know, uh, uh, you know, corners and getting, getting, getting my two point perspective on in the middle of uh, Kuala Lumpur from the other side of the world. And I just started sketching again. And now it's really over the last year, getting more and more into uh, watercolor washes and uh, kind of very much um, when it comes to the urban stuff, very loose kind of sketching and, and washing and, and watercolor kind of uh, focuses. But I love my pro markers and I love my details every now and then and, and get involved with that stuff as well. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a day now, honestly, very seriously, that goes by where I don't crack open the sketchbook for half an hour at least. You know, last night I sat here and did uh, a loose sketch of the shard, added a little watercolor. At, you know, 20 minutes later, happy camper, let's go and watch EastEnders. Simple as that. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's become it's become kind of full circle. It's 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 nice to be able to switch off at the end of the day, and um, you know, as and when I get the opportunity, I'll go out and uh, do some uh, location sketching and stuff as well. But um, I just it's just a nice way for me to be able to switch off, and I genuinely enjoy it more than anything else. That's awesome, and what a nice um, sort of legacy from you know you, your upbringing with your father yeah um, something that was yeah. his bag that's kind of been passed on to you um, it's interesting it it might it might have actually been um not to get too personal here but my wife and i were staying at the corinthia in in london uh for a little mini break um a few years ago and in their gift shop they had a framed and i'm looking at it right now a framed kind of washed out negative blueprinty style print of Battersea Power Station. And we used to go buy it, obviously, right on the way to Vauxhall. And uh, my dad, you you know, made the same dad joke every single Saturday morning. Oh, look, it's the upside down table, you know. And uh, I saw it and I told my wife the story. And then before I know what's happening, when we were checking out a couple of days later, there it was all wrapped up. She bought it for me. And uh, we came home and I stuck it on the wall here. And it was around the same time that I started sketching and and painting again so yeah maybe that's slightly loosely connected you might yeah, be yeah right. yeah she's definitely a keeper chris yeah she, she yeah i'll keep <laughs> I'll, I'll keep her around for a bit longer <laughs> she's a good girl brilliant uh chris i gotta say as well you, your memories of the the architecture office there that's just actually it's just brought back some fond memories from the first office that i used to work in honestly it could have been the same office like that description of walking in the door the coffee on the boil there, you know, yeah. it, that smell when it hit you when you walked in the reception. And it, and it was all drawing boards as well at the time. I yeah. think they just Drawing introduced... boards, you know, piles and piles and piles of, uh, of, of you know, large-scale drawings, some folded, some rolled, lots of rolls everywhere. Um, you know, technical pencils, you know, more technical <laughs> pencils that you can shake a stick at. You, you know what I mean? It was It was... Oh man, it's awesome. 
They don't. They don't look like that anymore now. They don't look like that. Things. No, I'm afraid not. Maybe yeah. there's a few still out there, but no, generally not. I'm afraid. Um, yeah. We could we could talk about this all day long, Chris. But yeah, we could. We're we, geeking out, aren't we? We're geeking out. We're geeking out. <laughs> What we are going to talk more about, though, we're going to talk about masterminds. Um, so for the listeners that aren't familiar with masterminds, could you could you tell me what is a mastermind? Well, a master, masterminds actually are nothing new. I think a lot of people think that this is a new thing that's just sort of come, you know, come about in the last decade or so because it's cool to be part of a mastermind or something. This is not new. This has been around for decades and decades and decades. Um, there was a collection of uh, big writers um, that used to call themselves, God, I'm going to probably butcher this now, but I think it was something like the Ink Men or something or the Wordsmith Men or something. Big writers, right? Um, there was another big group of the Imagineers at the Disney Studios. We're talking, we're going way back, Snow White, you know, kind of animation days. Um, masterminds, are, uh, they're, they're nothing new. They've been around for a long, long time. And ultimately what they are is a collection of individuals that are all ultimately on a very similar journey. They've all come from a similar background, nine times out of 10, uh, and they've got similar goals. And they come together to, you know, brainstorm with each other to validate their crazy game-changing ideas uh, and to ultimately help each other achieve their goals. And that's one of the reasons why I got into them, right? I needed the accountability. I needed the support myself personally. Um, the first time I jumped into a mastermind was in um, very, very late 2010. Uh, I started my own one in 2011, which ran for a few years before I kind of put it on the shelf for a little bit. And then we kind of reincarnated it again in 2018 as the round table mastermind, which obviously you're aware of. And uh, it's just, it's, it's a game changer for anybody that gets involved, you know, like just imagine having the opportunity of not being alone with your ideas and with your plans when it comes to growing your business, any type of business, architectural business or whatever, because a lot of the time entrepreneurs are quite alone. A lot of the time their partner is not involved. Their spouse is not involved in their business. Sometimes they are, but a lot of the time they're not. Sometimes actually, you know, you could even your friend group, your peer group, are, you know, they're great people to enjoy a weekend barbecue with or have a quick pint at the pub with or, or watch the football with or whatever, but they're not business people. They, they've, they've got a quote-unquote job. They're, they're not running their own businesses, so they don't understand the importance of watching costs and paying attention to your profit and loss statement and what it's like to bring on board new clients and convert people and upsell people and all that kind of stuff, right? So a lot of the time we are alone. And I think this is the one thing that entrepreneurs struggle with more than anything else. It can be a lonely journey and masterminds fix that fundamentally. They fix it. Absolutely. That is, um, I mean, that's a huge benefit, particularly if it's somebody out there that is a a sole practitioner working on their own. It can be hard to have that that net that support network in place to help you on your business journey, whatever direction that's going in. You've mentioned a few points already, Chris. So I just want to kind of recap on some of those. Could you maybe list out a, a few of those benefits again? If there's any others that spring to mind, the benefits of mastermind groups and being part of one? Well, the other thing that I've not mentioned is the fact that almost always you know, you're that well, there's basically two types of masterminds, right? The first one is a peer led mastermind. So it's you, a handful of friends, you'll get together, 
once a month, once a quarter, twice a year, once a year, even it doesn't matter what it is. You just, you get together consistently. Uh, there's no leader, right? There's no followers. It's just everybody around the table. We're all going to take it in turns to ultimately talk about what we want help with, what we want validation on, et cetera, et cetera. That's peer led. Then you get a leader led mastermind, which is exactly what the, what, what the round table is, right? So there is a leader and that leader not only leads the discussion, leads the masterminds, but that leader nine times out of 10 will be, you know, five years ahead of you, maybe more, right? Very rarely less. They've been in the game for a lot longer. They've got a lot more experience. Their Rolodex is deep. They've got, you know, lots and lots and lots of expertise and skill sets that they can share. And ultimately, people are happy to invest in their own growth working with these leaders, but also get the added benefit of surrounding themselves with other people that are on, uh, a, you know, a similar journey. So, you know, what I will do is not only will I mentor people individually, but I'll coach them as a group together as well. Uh, and I'll go through, you know, a number of different types of training or coaching sessions throughout the course of the year that I believe as a group, as well as individually, they'll get some sort of benefit out of. But yeah, they're generally the two different types of groups that you can look at potentially joining. That's really interesting. I'm, I'm glad that you've highlighted that because there's quite a distinct difference between oh, those yeah. two types, whether it's peer-led or, or if it's a, a leader-type mastermind group. Chris, could you could you tell me the story of your first mastermind meeting or perhaps one of your earliest recollections of attending mastermind? I've been to a few masterminds online in person myself. I could distinctly remember the first one and it was quite impactful on me. I was wondering if maybe you had a story that you might be able to share from one of those early mastermind experiences that you've had. Remember, don't forget to subscribe to my free weekly email newsletter. You can do that at mrjohnclayton.co.uk forward slash ABC. And if you're enjoying this episode, then please visit podchaser.com, search for Architecture Business Club and leave a five-star review. Now back to the show. I've only got a couple. From the position of running the masterminds myself, um, one of the first ones I ever did, actually, we... Uh, my, myself and my wife are involved, who's involved with the, you know, with the businesses day to day. We came up with the idea. I was going to London to speak at an event. And this is when I lived overseas. And I was coming back to London to speak at an event. And I, and she said to me, look, when you're there, you've got this online following, you know, why don't you run sort of like a one day brainstorming session um, that can ultimately bring a few people together. They can pay for the pleasure uh, you might be able to offset a little bit of the cost of the trip. You know, it might be kind of cool to meet some of the people that are commenting on your blog posts or listening to your podcast in person, like give it a go kind of thing. And I never really thought about it, to be honest with you. This is like late 2011. I'd never really thought about it. And so what we did is I sent out a very quick email to my email list, which at the time, I, I can't even remember how many people were on the list, maybe three, 4,000 people, something like that. Um, and I said something to the effect of, I'm running a one-day mastermind, and I used the term because I heard other people talking about it. It sounded kind of sexy, so I'm, I'm using. The, you know, I'm going to do this one-day mastermind in London. Here's the date. Uh, here's the cost. Here's what it's going to look like. Lunch is included, um, and if you're all good boys and girls, I might get you a beer afterwards, sort of thing, right? Um, here's the link. 
first come, first served, 10 spots available. And I, it was 150 pounds is what I was charging, which is a fraction of what I charge now for a similar situation, right? Um, and uh, we went out, I, I hit the send on the email and I went out to dinner. And then when I got back, I checked my email and we sold out in the space of like two hours. And I was like, holy moly, this is crazy. But not only did we sell out, John, we sold another six spots on top of it because I wasn't expecting to sell that many. So there was no cutoff for the shopping cart to stop working. So we just kept taking orders. And within a case, you know, case of a two and a half hours or whatever it was, I, I brought in 16. So I said, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to refund these six people. And uh, my wife said, no, are you mad? Just run another day. Just run another day. And so I did. And 24 hours later, it was sold out. And I ran two days back to back with two groups of 10 people, different group each day. And um, by the time we were done, it was just so clear to me that I'd hit on something like people needed this big time. And there was one guy there specifically who I can't remember his name now, but he was chugging down Red Bulls like his life depended on it. And I think he worked at like the post office or he was a nurse or something to that effect. And he gave birth to his business idea in that day or, or on that day that he was part of the group. And uh, a few years later, he came to another mastermind that I ran. Uh, I think it was 2016, this one in the Barbican in London. And he came back to me and said, Look, you know, man, you got no idea. Like I went from doing 60 hours a week like I was chugging those Red Bulls, if you remember. And, uh, you know, now I've got this business. It's, you know, I've quit my job. I'm working full time on my business. I've never been happier. I'm working a good amount of hours each week. I'm getting stuff done. And here I am to learn how to grow it again kind of thing. So that was kind of cool for it to come out of one of the first masterminds. That was cool. Um, the flip side, being part of a mastermind myself, and I still, uh, I still invest close to $5,000 a month on two masterminds that I'm a member of, which are both leader-led, um, because I believe I've got to continue to learn in order to continue to lead myself, right? And um, it was not so long ago, probably maybe three years ago, that I was working with one of my coaches at the time in this one particular group, who in the space of probably about 15 minutes was able to highlight a huge gap in my ecosystem that was causing problems getting a certain amount of my clients from here to here. And this gap was making sales for this higher-end product so much harder to achieve. And by bridging that gap with one little product idea, not only actually has it made it easier, it's made me a lot more money as well. And that's just 15 minutes of just working with the right person at the right time, you know? So it's, it's been pretty uh, important to me across the board, one way or the other. Wow. I mean, those are some incredible results for you and for your own clients as well. So, I mean, definitely there's uh, a lot of value in being part of Mastermind, without a doubt. Chris, what, what common myths or misconceptions do you think there are about Masterminds? You must have maybe come across a few over the years. I think really big one, honestly, is that people think that it's going to be like a magic pill that they can pop and that everything is just going to be perfect from the outset. It's not like that at all. Uh, you know, 
the idea that you can join a mastermind group and it's going to solve all your problems without you doing any kind of work at all is just, it's silly. You know, why anybody would think that? I don't know. Um, I say to my clients when they jump on board, and I had an onboarding call actually this morning with a brand new member of our round table. And I said to him, like, you know, I'm going to guide you. I'm going to advise you. I'm going to point you in the right direction. I'm going to give you all the tools you need that I know work when it comes to fixing this particular issue, but I ain't doing the work for you. You got to do it yourself. And if you do the work based on my recommendations, you'll come out the other end, not only unscathed, but actually with a lot more money in your pocket. If you don't do the work, you've only got yourself to blame because I've walked people through this over and over and over again. I know it works when the work gets done. And I think that's the big misconception is that joining the mastermind is going to fix all your problems. Uh, the fact is you're going to fix the problems. The mastermind is just going to be a tool, a resource to a certain degree on the route of you from where you are to where you want to get to. And I think that's the big one more than anything else. That's really valuable to share. So essentially joining a mastermind, obviously huge benefits. It's going to help you leverage your time and perhaps get to where you want to get to quicker. But ultimately, you've still got to do the work. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's like nothing lands in your lap. Nothing lands in your lap. I don't believe that luck is a thing either. I don't, you know, when people say, oh, I've been lucky. You haven't. You're just trying to be humble. You've not been lucky. You've worked your ass off. You've got everything that you've got at this current moment in your career because of the fact that you've earned your stripes. It's that simple. Nothing lands in your lap when you're running your own business. There's no luck. You create whatever luck means for you at whatever period of time, or whatever part of your journey you're on, right? So I'm just a big believer that you know action will trump everything else. You can't throw money at everything. Sometimes you just got to roll up your sleeves and good old bit of elbow grease is all that's needed, you know? Yeah. I think that's a lesson that I would have liked to have learned a little bit earlier in ah, my own journey. You and me both. Rewind the clock there a little bit. Um, Chris, what, what things might you want to consider before joining a mastermind or perhaps choosing which mastermind to join? So let's do the peer-led mastermind first. I think the one thing that's really important is that you it's better to go small. So I think peer-led groups quality over quantity any day of the week. When it comes to a leader-led mastermind, then really it comes down first and foremost. And we know this for sure because we survey all our members and we know this for sure. 99.9% .9 of the time, people will join a leader-led mastermind because of the leader, not because of the mastermind itself or any of the members for that matter. It comes down to the person that's actually leading the group. So, You've got to not only earn that trust, but understand that it's actually your uniqueness as a leader that will attract the right people towards you. So if somebody's looking for a group to join, if they're looking to, to join a mastermind group, where's the best place to find the right one? Well, your friends first. Your friends first. Ask around first and foremost. I mean, after our own opinions, we're well you know, well more likely to believe the opinions of our friends and the people that we hold dear and trust properly, right? So you can start with that first of all and see if anybody knows of a group, um, you know, that, that might suit you. 
you know, just because somebody might know of a mastermind doesn't mean it's going to be a good fit for you. But um, I think that's where I would personally start for sure. But then, you know, use Dr. Google, right? Like, you know, see whether Dr. Google can also uh, point you in the right direction as well. Social media is another great way because anybody that's really running a mastermind of any real weight will be creating regular online content of some variety, whether it be social content, blog, podcast, videos, whatever it is, right? So, you know, you can get on their email lists, read their material, watch their videos, listen to their long form content like podcasts, see whether their their, their vibe is your vibe. Uh, and generally don't rush into it. You've got to, you know, you've got to have several touch points in place with somebody to know that they're going to be the right person for you. But I will say, you know, nine times out of 10, you follow your gut, it'll very rarely let you down. That's good advice. Chris, we're going to try and wrap things up. I just wanted to ask, what would be the the main things that you'd like everyone to take away from this conversation today? Looking at what other people are doing who have been in the game five, 10 years longer than you, of course, they're going to have more accolades. Of course, they're going to make more money. Of course, they're going to be on more stages. Of course, they're going to sell more books or have more clients at a high end. Of course, they are. They've been doing it more, longer than you, right? So you shouldn't really spend any amount of time comparing where you're at compared to somebody who's been in the game a lot longer than you. So, you know, couple that together with the fact that there are many, many masterminds out there. Um, you've got to find the right kind of mastermind for where you're at currently right now. Because if you jump into one that is, you know, two years, you know, two years too late, you're going to realize pretty quickly that you're further along in the journey than the large majority of the people. And maybe you've signed a contract for a year and you can't get out. Now you're stuck. Now it's a waste of time and money. Likewise, flip side of the coin, if you get into a group that's too advanced for you, somehow you got through the vetting process, you did the discovery call, you filled the application, whatever it is, you've paid your money, you've also signed up, now you're swimming out of your depth. They're already two or three steps ahead of you and you feel like you've kind of you know, got yourself into some sort of hot water. You don't want to do that either. So just take your time and and play the field a little bit before, you know, play the field before you end up getting engaged. It could be a little, could, could get messy if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> nice analogy. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> um, was, was there anything else you wanted to say that we, we haven't covered already in the conversation? No, not really. I mean, I think, you know, your people are tuning into this podcast because they've aligned themselves with you, John, right? You know, it's highly likely that everybody listening to this show is realistically probably going to geek out a little bit more over the first 10 minutes of it that you and I talked about, uh, you know, rather than the last, the last 10, 15 minutes of it. But the fact is, you know, if you are an architect, if you're a junior architect, if you're running your own architectural company, if you want to run your own architectural setup, you know, you this you're doing the right thing right now, listening in to somebody and that somebody's guests who have been there and done it already before. And by doing that, two things happen concurrently. Number one, you set yourself to a, you set yourself up to avoid mistakes that you probably would have made were you not listening to a show like this. And secondly, you actually end up at the exact same time using that as a springboard to be able to go into the future a little faster than you would usually 
have to where you're to try and kind of navigate everything on your own. So I'm just a big believer of self-education, listening to sh- shows just like this, reading the right kind of books, surrounding yourself with the right people, um, whether that be events or via a mastermind, and just you know keeping your eyes on the prize. Because at the end of the day, the stark reality actually is that life is very, very short. And we've only got so many hours that we can put towards quote-unquote work on a daily basis. So if you're doing something that you're not enjoying, there's something broken. And if there's anything you can do in order to go a little further, a little faster, then that is definitely worth looking into. Love that, Chris. Thanks so much. There's one other question that I'd like to ask you, and it has nothing to do with masterminds. I'm getting worried now. It's all right. Don't don't worry. It's just nothing um, nothing inappropriate. <laughs> I I love travel and discovering new places, and mm. I think architecture is about place. So, tell me about one of your favourite places and what you love about it. And this can be near or far. It could be the end of your road. It could be the far side of the world. Just one place, one thing that you love about it. That would be great. One place is so hard because I've been really <laughs> blessed. Note how I didn't say lucky there. I've been very blessed to travel the world quite excessively at this point in my life. But if I had to pick one spot, one place I never, ever tire of, never get bored of, it's probably Hong Kong. Hong Kong is the type of city that it's just so in your face at any point in the day or night, for that matter, around any corner, there's always something going on. And you talk about from a sketching standpoint, there's so much you can draw, so much you can you can create by being around a, you know any amount of streetscape or landscape in Hong Kong. Plus, the people are amazing. The food is incredible. The nightlife is entertaining. What more do you want? You know, the humidity can get to you from time to time. But it's just a great spot. I love Hong Kong. It's such a cool place. Oh, I love it. I was fortunate enough to visit there just for a few days on a, a flight stopover a number of years ago, and I absolutely loved it. Um, yeah, fantastic place. If you if you ever get the opportunity to go, if listeners out there, then get yourself there. Well worth a visit, especially if you're interested in architecture, which obviously you are if you're listening to this podcast. Um <laughs> great city to go and visit. Chris, thank you so much for everything today. You shared a ton of value in the episode. Really enjoyed the conversation too. Could you just remind everybody where is the best place online to to go and find you? I mean, it's chrisducker.com, right? I wouldn't be much of a personal brand business coach if I didn't have my own domain name, would I? So yeah, chrisducker.com is where it's all it's all about. Everything is linked over there. Awesome. That's brilliant. Thanks so much, Chris. My pleasure, John. Next time, I'll be chatting with visibility coach Fifi Mason about how you can start showing up and be more visible in what you do. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Architecture Business Club. If you liked this episode, think other people might enjoy it, or just want to show your support, then please visit podchaser.com, search for Architecture Business Club, and leave a glowing five-star review. It would mean so much to me and makes it easier for new listeners to discover the show. If you just want to connect with me, you can do that on most social media platforms. Just search for at Mr. John Clayton. The best place to connect with me online, though, is on LinkedIn. 
You can find a link to my profile in the show notes. Remember, running your architecture business doesn't have to be hard and you don't need to do it alone. This is Architecture Business Club. 